everybody. Welcome to the new Community Writer Arena. This is the first Babs Buzz installment for Writer Arena. Michael and I are very proud to tell you about this. This is going to be a new spot. Keep in touch with Michael. He'll keep everything fresh for you. He'll let you know what's going on, what you can talk about on the boards. And of course, the great thing about this is not only are Michael and I enjoying bringing your work to the world, but we're also having fun with each other. We're bouncing ideas off each other on the forums. It's really a lot of fun. We're all learning about editing. I'm having a great time. <clears throat> I want to mention in this show, this first uh, Babs Buzz in Writer Arena, I'd like to give congrats uh, to Kia, of course. Well done. Keep writing. This is exciting. I know that this has been quite a, a journey for you, but um, girlfriend, you've got it. So just keep doing it. It's exciting to see and hear. I do have allergies today, kids. Sorry, there's a north wind that's blowing. Happily, it's not cold. But it's blowing Colin around, so if I sound a little bit like a cross between Kathleen Turner and Annette Benning, there it is. Um, I want to tell you about a program that I'm trying out uh, to tell folks about to help their writing in my classes. And you guys probably all know about this. I don't because I write organically when I edit and I don't do screenplays, but you guys probably will be able to tell me about a variety of programs. I got a pitch from a company called Plot Control 2.0. Now, Plot Control 2.0 was so much fun and so interesting that I had to do the trial. And it was so inexpensive, I thought, you know, I might keep this anyway to double check scripts when they come at me. So as I read them, for example, I can kind of give myself, a, a, you know, sort of like a litmus test to see if all the beats are firing correctly. It's an extraordinary program in terms of my point of view. You guys may know better programs out there. You may know better uh, ways to go. I know Save the Cat has one of those, but I really, really enjoyed using Plot 2.0. Obviously, I don't get any kickbacks from these kinds of companies as they make their presence known to me. I share with you. So, um, free movies on demand. I saw China Moon, and I have to tell you, I was very interested in this screenplay, mostly because of the acting, but also the direct. It, a lot of people would figure this as a sort of a cornball thriller mystery. Um, I loved it because it had a couple of really unique twists. The performances were exceptional, but the foreshadowing, the subtext was all there. And if you really want to check your skill set, I'll get to that a little bit more later in the show. But if you really want to check your skill set, um, definitely uh, take a look at China Moon. Also, Fate, Safe Men, I thought was really stupid, but I really enjoyed watching these guys, um, this great talent do these silly scripts. So it made me ask myself, why do these talented folks do these films? Now, the obvious answer would be, darlings, we all got to get a paycheck, right? But I think any time an actor can do something completely different of anything he's ever read before, he's going to do it, especially if there's a paycheck in it. So um, check out uh, Safe Men and China Moon. So funny about China Moon, it was a very low budget and it actually made money. Um, this is exciting for me, Michael, because I didn't get a chance to tell you this in pre-show prep, but I will tell you now, we signed a writer uh, uh, that we learned about through the Simply Scripts platforms. Very exciting. Um, his name is Greg Williams, so congratulations to Greg Williams. This is kind of a cool story. Greg Williams had pitched me a couple of different things in terms of, hey, I want to chat with you. I got this thing, da 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 da. And we got to know each other a teeny bit. And we kind of clicked. And he said to me, you know, I do have this one faith based script. Uh, why don't you take a look at it? And it was called Close to My Heart. 
and I read it without coverage of the beat sheet because I told him you listen to the show so you know better so you'll know if I don't get past page 15 or 20 it's your own fault because I'm going to beat it out well the truth is it didn't really beat out properly but it was such a good story this is key you listening say yes this is so key it was such a good story it didn't matter that the beats were precise the only reason why I harp on beats is because it's really important that people who are unproduced prove to professionals of whom they are asking for money <laughs> to back their dream to get it on the screen that you have some idea of what tradition has proven over time that works not only in paper but in film so I read this screenplay and I call him up and I go Greg this is adorable it's not exactly market ready it needs a polish but it's really good he goes oh I forgot to tell you I won first place in the LDS 2011 screenplay contest now I was kind of glad he didn't tell me that beforehand because as you can imagine it would have of course colored my understanding of what was on the page to the good for him I also though would have been candid that it doesn't beat out I don't know how you won but I could see that there's a story here so I offered to sign him for it I did a quick polish on it for him and um, he's going to get that out in, in about a week or so. Uh, so that's exciting. So great job, Greg Williams. And he's a very nice man. Oh, just a delightful man. Um, which brings me to contests in general and turning them into market-ready uh, screenplays. Should you, the pros and cons. I have that in the um, contest corner today. This, boy, this really put me in check because it, it was a learning process for me going through this with Greg because it reignited some of my editing skills. and. Also, it showed me that I really know what I'm doing. Okay, so in the end, I offered him a solid market-ready screenplay. And he goes, oh, but, oh, but, oh, but. And I said, fine, you can oh, but me all day. But your job right here, right now, and this is important, you have to engage someone who is willing to not only shell out to get it shot, but you have to engage a director so he can bring his vision and his ideas and his dexterity to film that's the point of getting the screenplay what we call blueprint or market ready and darn skippy if you should have two versions you betcha can i get an amen hallelujah yeah i say two versions if you can have a screenplay lynn christensen was notorious for this she got so good at it it was actually kind of funny she would have her contest screenplay then she'd kick it to me i'd give her some notes and she'd clean it up and we'd get a market ready version so she had the contest version and the market ready version and I would offer both in the pitch and nine times out of ten they would read the market version first now they didn't go but that's not the point they had the option of going if they loved it and meaning the concept they could look at the contest version and say oh we like this better because it's got bigger details it's got more dexterity it's got more expository stuff for the director so it's a matter of taste for me personally I say be merciless with your editing pen you guys know that it's really important Getting into this sort of literary gobbledygook on the page is just, oh man, just give me some wine and let me get out of here. So having the two versions, I think, not only helps you, but it helps the people you're pitching. Uh, I, I noticed, too, that in his screenplay, the super objective was almost in every scene in your face. And that made it um, off-putting. But an easy fix. You just dial down the super objective in every scene. What's the super objective? Well, it's the through line, right? It's the overall objective that's going to carry the characters through the whole story. So you've got your sort of 
you know, choices objective litmus test, as it were. You don't have to write this down. I'll send it to Michael. He can have it. Um, the line, the dialogue choices, you'll discover the choices for each line of dialogue and phrase. And truly, the actor will end up probably making the final choice because it's going to become his objective. The scene objective is what the character is trying to achieve. What do I want? Who am I? Where am I going? The scene objective carries the character through or must achieve something in the scene. Okay. Now, you can have obstacles because that's what you want in conflict, but the point is it, it, it carries the character through. In the scene objective, that objective could be either achieved in a particular scene, but I will tell you this, and this is important. If you go for an objective in a scene, that is very often telltale of an amateur or green writer. In other words, in every scene, if you're dotting your eyes and crossing your teeth, like Brett learned very early on, Brett was super sharp when I said to him, you're showing too much leg. He got it. You've got to show a little bit of pinky toe, then the ankle, then a little bit of the calf. And oh my, look at that. He's a knee. <gasps> look at that. Isn't that just so sexy? So the point is, if you're going to, you can have scenes that are succinct and dead ends in and of themselves, but you better be, be careful that it achieves the, it fuels the super objective, which is the overall arc of the actual screenplay. I hope this, I hope you guys don't get in the tool weeds. You can play this back if you want. Um, so the actor says, like, I want security, I want to find the love of my life, I want peace, I want a family. And this speaks to, this is huge, why bios about your characters help. I'm going to talk about a writer right now real quick. We shall remain nameless. And she says to me, you know, I, I can't get, I know my story in my head. I can't get past the first scene. I said, that's because you don't have your bios on the wall. If you had your characters on the wall, you know what they would do? They would wake you up at night. They would start talking to you. They would say to you, hey, man, I, I found this ring over here, and let me tell you why. Or I found a foot in sand, and it was attached to a body, and OMG, I stumbled on a corpse, and I'm in the world of hurt because I might have seen something I shouldn't have seen. They start talking to you. They really, really do. It's important that you have bios um, somewhere where they're accessible. I, I have a dream about having my desk set up in such a way, Michael, and um, writer's arena audience where I have three screens, one dead center and one on each side. Bio on the left, right? <clears throat> um, edits and copy and paste on the right, and my final draft in the middle, so that when I'm doing my polishes for folks, because I do polishes for hire, that um, I can do it a lot more quickly, and I, I you know, I kind of look cool sitting there, right? So I have this, <laughs> this is kind of a secret, you guys don't know this, but I'll tell you, I have a pink rhinestone tiara. <laughs> and when I really get into it, and I have my wine, and I'm editing, I'm in the zone. I put the tiara on and I look like a horse's ass, but it's kind of fun. It makes me feel young and I really like it because I'm closing in on the very old, ripe old age of blank. Okay. Um, in the book corner, writing subtext by Linda Sager. I didn't get into it last time and I wanted to because it's important. It's a great book. This is a book of writing subtext that you can't read quickly. I'm sorry, you just can't. It's not like, say, the cat where you got, you know, bullet points and all that kind of stuff. But I am going to bring you to page um, 76, where it, it's really imperative that you take a look at choosing the description. Uh, if you get into it and take a look at 76, I think you'll see exactly why you should own this book and refer to it. But we'll read a segment of this from page 113, where they're talking about On the Waterfront. Great movie, right? Terry Malloy, who's played by uh, Marlon Brando, hunk of life. God, is he gorgeous, was. He raises pigeons, and he's a stool pigeon. Throughout the film, the pigeons echo the story and his character. 
their flapping of wings represent the freedom he would like to have, which is also carried by the sounds of the seagulls on the waterfront as they dive and coo. The pigeons are friendly and chirp when he's talking to his love. The sounds are frantic when he's confronting the bad guys. Malloy is a scavenger tied to the droppings left to him by others. He is trapped in his relationship to the mob, waiting for the next handout, just like his pet pigeon. Now that is story and metaphor, and it gives you enough subtext so that you can really tell who this guy is. This book is just exceptional. It's a very slow read, but it is one of the richer uh, screenplay books that you will find out there that will really help hone your craft. Which brings me to some of the best writing on television in terms of subtext that right now, I don't know if any of you are watching it, but I am completely hooked on Bates Motel. I mean, I love television for television's sake. There's a, a network called MeTV that I just cannot get enough of. I mean, they have reruns of Frasier and Mary Tyler Moore. And I can tell you that as a screenplay agent and as an, as an editor, I am reminded of all of the things that fired in my subconscious that I have no idea I was even going to use. I didn't even think about it. And here it is, you know, some 20, 30 years later, Michael says, I love Bates Motel. I love it, too that is actually helping me help you. So look at how wonderful all of these talented folks paid it forward for us. Isn't it great? Well, um, it was funny, not funny, haha. I didn't like it when the dog died, okay? So I, I go on Facebook like an idiot and I go, did they have to kill the dog really? Because I started to cry. And here's the kicker, and this is funny. I hope you're listening because this is really cool. Like 20 people get up and go, you don't understand. They had to do that because that shows you how he gets into taxidermy. Now, of course, I knew that. I still didn't want them to kill the damn dog, right? So, but it was so cute the way these re these uh, viewers, and I'm going to assume for the sake of this discussion that none of them were writers. I I'm going to assume that based on the spelling errors and the grammatical errors. No, I'm just kidding. I was making a joke at their expense, and it was fun. Um, no, seriously, darling, it was amazing. They all said the same thing. No, you don't understand. They got to set up for the taxidermy. I thought that was so cool. So if they get subtext and they get foreshadow, good golly, Miss Molly, you guys better get it too, or else I'm going to thank you all. Okay, so taxidermy, though, is the symptom. It's not the cause. The cause is what? Fill in the blank. Well, I'm going to give you my rendering. The cause is I can't say goodbye to things I love. And... A more cryptic notion, which is, to me, very tongue-in-cheek, I keep company with dead things. I love keeping company with dead things. Uh, so in the end, Bates Motel, which is a prequel, and obviously a modern-day prequel, which is really an oxymoron, but how brilliant is that? So it, it brings me to hooks. You guys are always looking for things to write. Um, there is, I love the Drudge Report because you get all these amazing stories that you have to use caution. You know, I harken back to Greg Williams who loosely based his screenplay on true events. Well, if you're going to get, uh, if you have to use the names of the people, you got to get their permission. You got to pay for it. I, I recommend you don't go there. It's noisy. Let the producers do that. That's their job. They, they're very good at it. They know all the ins and outs of how to get that done exactly right. But um, you can get these great ideas from news clippings and, and they will present to you terrific hooks. Now, 
If you ever need help, ask me because I can find someone to help you or Michael can find someone to help you um, hit your hook out of the park. I just got pitched a terrific idea from James. I can't remember James' last name. I'm sorry, James. I don't have my uh, name cues in front of me, but it was about a movie about a rat. And I just thought it was so clever and it runs long. So he's editing it, thank God. But I thought it was just really, really clever. There's a bunch of the science magazines that you can use. I need low budget sci-fi in the worst way. I get hits all the time from producers. I got some money over here. I got some money over there. Help me, help me find stuff. And you guys know that I use Inktip, you know, for to help my clients, and they help and they help me. Inktip helps me a lot. I get a lot of publicity for the agency there. So what that means is, if they give me leads and I can share them with you, and you guys can pitch me, you know what I want. Michael gave you the parameters. I want a beat sheet. I want coverage. You should have those done anyway before you go on to your next script. Now. I know coverage can be expensive. Make that actually the the lesser priority if you're going to pitch me and you've got something that fits the hit. And remind me that I told you this because sometimes I forget. But if the beat sheet is killer, guess what? I'm going to pay attention. And then all I need then is your resume, of course. Um, in the marketing corner, this is really huge. We do mass marketing mailings, and I pay someone 5% of the deal I don't personally pay them. The writer does because I don't make anything until the writer does. So I, I have this guy who's terrific. You know about him. His name is Ashley. You can hire him. He's extremely inexpensive. Do not send a script out without having coverage, please, if you pitch Ashley to pitch your work. But Ashley does these marketing things for us, and we, got, uh, we sent out uh, a mailing for a script called The Accomplice, a script that I absolutely love. You can see the trailer. I'll get that to you, Michael, so that you can upload it on Writer's Arena for us. But the point of the story is this. I cannot believe that we didn't get a lot of hits for this because it was horror and it was very narrow. Uh, it was a very narrow reach, this particular marketing effort. But we, we touched a lot of faces. And uh, let me digress for a minute. One of the people we touched was so mean to me that I actually finally, after all these years, just read the email that was so mean. And I, I of course, I got angry for a beat. But then I just laughed because I thought to myself, Boy, I must have really gotten under his skin. Cool. Now, anyway, he's a real jerk, and I, you know, I reported him to the powers that be, uh, other than Ashley. And uh, you know, people like that when they're that bad, we the we we take it to another place, and if that's good, and it sits there, and it comes up again, then we've got a little bit of a you know an evidence file. But anyway, the point is, I was so happy that it didn't bother me that much, and I kind of think he's a jerk, which is kind of it's a good feeling to think someone's an idiot when they're, when they're mean to you. I guess that's what happens when you get out of high school. Anyway, um, in the end, this marketing plan was not a huge success for this particular screenplay, The Accomplice. But get this. We had a trailer of the first five minutes uh, of part of the film that was shot. It was expensive. And it really got the right kind of eyes to pay attention to us. And it sort of elevated our agency to a whole other level, which brings me to my closing story. I think I have a little bit of time. Um, it brings me to my closing story about some really successful news that I can finally share with the the, um, the Writers Arena audience who's been with me for God knows how long. Uh, this is kind of cool. Now, it is not huge news in the, oh, my God, six figures. That'll come. I'm certain of it. I'm certain of it. However, this is exciting for one of my writers. His name is Jesse Michael Orenda. 
When I was a junior agent and being pitched literary items, Jesse Michael Orenduff sent me a script, I mean a pitch, uh, for a story called The Pot Thief. And it, I pitch it as Columbo meets Indiana Jones' domestic digger. And picture Seth Green in the lead. The guy is small in stature but has exceptional eyes, and the actor has to have exquisite chops, which Seth Green has. I mean, Seth Green, I... There are actors who can do no wrong. He is one of them. He is in, he may not have the stature, the physical stature of a Brad Pitt or a George Clooney or a, um, any, any of your hunks in Hollywood, but he, his eyes and his face, he is so, he explores so much so quickly and it's so quickly refracted in his face that I just, I watch him and I'm in awe. And his, his voice, his speaking voice on film, the way he tapes, his, they tape his voice. It's, it, the guy's just got it. He was born to do what he's doing. And praise God, he's not a druggie. He's not a loser. not a jerk. And he's doing it. Um, I pitched his company, The Pot Thief, in the screenplay, and they have it. Now, let me uh, go back to this, the story I was going to tell you. So, we've been pitching this guy forever, and he wins a publishing deal, and I don't get my commission, which is fine, because I had my eye on today five years later, which is TV and film. Enter Open Road Publishing. Open Road Publishing is the trend-setting one of them, digital companies that is really, really exploring this whole digital thing for printed matter, novels, nonfiction books, cookbooks, all that stuff. Jesse is now an award-winning mystery writer. He gets props for that. He needs an editor. He knows it. He's happy to hire one. But the guy's got it, and he knows he's got it, and he's humble and terrific and adorable, and I'm proud of him. So yay, Jesse. What makes this thing so cool is about a year ago, maybe a little less, Robert Powers was getting kind of antsy. And Michael, don't let me forget to talk about Hot, the screenplay Hot, before we sign off today. My, uh, Robert Powers was getting a little bored. He's like, you got any ideas for me? And I said, well, if you want, we can do an adaptation. Okay, kids, stop right here. This is important. If you want to do adaptations, you have my permission to do so. You listening? Say yes. Okay. Make sure, however, that you understand this, and this is critical. Make sure that you know that if you do an adaptation and Steven Spielberg knocks on my door and says, Barbara, I'm so excited. This is a beautiful, beautiful screenplay, but I don't like it. We want to buy out your client, meaning Robert Powers, who did this, the screenplay on spec. We want to buy him out, and I would counter with, of course, we can have a buyout. This is the dollar amount I want. And I want a writer's credit. I don't care if he's at the bottom of the list of your writers, but I want him on screen. And Steven Spielberg will either say yes or he'll counter or he'll say no. Probably wouldn't say no. He's not an idiot. The point is, when Steven Spielberg comes calling for the Pot Thief series, which he will, and if he doesn't, someone will. Because this franchise is the gift that keeps on giving. I'm telling you straight up. It is a terrific series. Anyway, um, if, in fact, they came to us, I'd have to, Robert, it, going in, I made him aware of the fact that he had he may have to get kicked to the curb. And he said, that's okay, as long as the check doesn't bounce, and if we can get me a writer's credit, I'm happy to do it. Well, we send the screenplay in for coverage. I didn't read the screenplay until after the coverage came in. And the coverage was terrific. Oh, my gosh, I was so proud of him. I couldn't believe it. We did a couple of minor tweaks. We sent it to Jesse Orenduck, who wrote the books. We sent it to the co-agent in New York, Philip Turner, who's co-agenting. He's the guy who brought us the deal for Open Road that Jesse signed and Ed approved. And Ed read it and I read it. And I have to tell you, kids, this screenplay, it just, it, it's rocking. 
it is going to be changed dramatically between now and the time it's sold. But here's the kicker. It's going to get the right kind of attention because it, it presents all of the right beats at all of the right times, and it will fire a director's and an actor's imagination. That's your job as a screenwriter, not to be so literary that you get bogged down with all this wonderful poetic nonsense on the page, although that's cool and that's nice. It's pretty, save it for, you know, I, you have my permission, write a novel for God's sake. I mean, do it. If you want to do it, do it. Which brings me to a screenplay Robert wrote called Hot. Now, he got Consider, I didn't agree with it, um, and I'll tell you why. He got lost in the toll a little bit in the second act, and this is common, but let me tell you what he did right, and this is important, so I hope you're listening. He captured irony in the superjective and in the subtext all the way through the screenplay, and it really worked. What does that mean? It's hard for me to explain without giving too much away, but I will say this. There's an old movie called Town Without Pity that sort of has a flavor of this kind of screenplay. It's basically about a chick who's a tease, and she knows it. But she's all talk, no walk, and it's what happened. And it, he did such a marvelous job of weaving the irony. Picture, I don't know, kind of a justified kind of sheriff, not that martial, but a little bit older, uh, and uh, that kind of lead. And the irony that came through in the second act, the way the woman's captor presented to her, part of the reason why she was there was to quote him her own fault because of, quote, the way she looked and the way she acted. Well, let me tell you this. Here's the irony. Not only was he telling her something that for him was true, but the villain in the story kidnapped and killed a woman for the exact opposite reason. He kidnapped and killed a woman who was prim and proper and, you know, high tone and fancy to do and wore pearls. I am telling you, when this kind of irony jumps out at you in the screenplay, me as an agent, I get so excited. So while the script was a misfire and needed um, a lot of work to tweak it, um, I was happy to do it. I, well, I, I wasn't happy. I, I was kind of mad that I had to sit down and do it because Robert's gotten to the point where, you know, if he really had the time, he could do it. But I helped him because he really didn't have the time. So, and that's fine. We work well as a team and we have a very good understanding. But here's what he did right. He never lost sight of what he wanted to get across with these two completely different types of women. And he didn't do it in a misogynistic way at all. He didn't do it. It's really, he did a great job. So you get my props there, um, uh, Robert. It's really exceptional when something like that fires like that. I just uh, I just had an idea about it too, which I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about when I talk to you. But in the meantime, Michael and I are really happy to have you. We're very happy to be hosting this site. As you know, one of the people on the thread said, oh, you know, we need Barbara on iTunes. And Michael said it's there. So what we're going to do is we're going to open up the boards effective, like immediately. We're going to do the show every two months. And the only real reason why I do it, well, there's two reasons. Michael and I are extremely busy doing other things. But also, it's important that you understand that I don't want to come to you and not sound marvelous. I want to sound absolutely fresh. I want you to learn things. I want you to tune in and want to tune in. I don't want you to tune in to go, oh, God, she's talking about the same thing over and over again. Because truthfully, I I glean, a, I glean a lot from this. I learned a lot from studying super objective and irony through film. I learned a lot. I learned that you can really turn, here's what I learned. You can turn the second act around if you decide to use irony against the super objective. Very, very important. 
In fact, it's so important that I'm almost going to start looking at it as a formula and I'll, I'll litmus test it as I read uh, in the future. This is Babs for Babs Buzz, reminding you that every day is a blessing and you've got to write if you can. And you've got to remember to rewrite because that's really important. It's going to get your stuff market ready. But also, please, 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 life is short, so live it. Live your life. Peace.